We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ's likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Drunk on my holy mountain, 
so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and shall be as though they had never been. We see leading up to this point in the, in the passage in Obadiah's vision, we've seen that Edom is being promised to be judged. God has seen the way they've acted towards Israel. He has seen how they've been complicit in the captivity of Israel, how they've allowed the Israelites to be taken into captivity by Babylon, how they, they've celebrated and enjoyed Israel's downfall, how they've looked at the people that were supposed to be their family, even would have come from the line of Esau, who was the brother of Jacob, how they've looked at their own family and they've celebrated in their downfall. They celebrated in their pain. And God looks at them and said, you will be judged. Your sin will be judged. This would have been great joy for the people of Israel who are looking at their oppressors and they're wondering, where's the justice God? How are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing this to happen? And God declares to them, the day of the Lord is near. Not just upon the people of Edom, but upon all nations. All of the people that have oppressed you. Babylon will be judged, Assyria will be judged, and Edom will be judged. And all of the surrounding nations that have attacked you and oppressed you, they will be judged. The people of Israel, hearing the day of the Lord, they would have immediately thought of blessing upon those who please God and curses upon those who are against Him, who oppress His people. They would have found great joy in this. They would have found hope in this, knowing that God is coming to judge their enemies. And Obadiah continues on, saying that as you have done, it shall be done to you. Reminding the people of the law. He would have pointed the, the people to this would have pointed the people back to Leviticus chapter 24 and many other verses in, in the law. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 19 and 20 says, If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. The punishment for Edom, the punishment for the nations, is going to fit the crime that they've done. God's not going to punish too harshly, and He's not going to punish too many. He's going to repay them the way that they have treated His people. He's going to punish them justly. We also see that Edom's punishment is a preview of what's to come upon the other, upon other nations. Edom's punishment is a preview of the coming judgment on all people. Obadiah continues and says that as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. The people of Edom would have gone up as they see Israel being taken captive, and they would have gone into the city, into the mountain of Zephon Zion, on the Mount Zion. They would have gone up and celebrated. They would have reveled in knowing that Israel has been fallen. Israel has been taken captive. They would have celebrated this. And God said, I see that. I saw that. And I'm going to punish you for that. Just as you were partying and celebrating, drinking and eating, you will drink my cup of wrath. You're going to face the wrath of God. And he said, just as you are going to face that, 
All nations will face that. All nations will experience my judgment. All who oppress my people, all who do wrong against my people, they will be judged. This would have provided hope for the people of Israel, knowing that God is coming back and he's going to bring justice. They're sitting here in Babylon and they're crying out, God, what are you doing? What are you, why are you allowing this? And God says, I'm coming back and I'm going to punish those who oppress you. I'm going to bring justice. So many times we, we hear this message, we hear these things, and we think to ourselves, that's, that's really harsh. Like, why, why, why would God do something like that? I thought God was a loving God. I thought he was a God of mercy, a God of grace. And this is true. He is. God does love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. Praise, praise be God that he is. But it reminds me of an illustration that David Platt uses. He tells us tell the story many times in his message of he's overseas and he's talking to his cab driver. And he and the cab driver begin to speak on um, the severity of sin and God punishing sin. And the cab driver asks the same question that we do. Like, why, why would God do that? Why would God be so harsh? Why would God judge those? And Platt gives him the illustration of, well, if you look at it this way, if I come up and I slap you if I punch you, if I hit you, you're going to be really mad at me. You're probably going to kick me out of the, the cab. You may say some really unkind things to me. I may go to jail for a little while, but this punishment is not going to be all that severe. But if I go up to the king of this country, and I slap him, if I hit him, if I punch him, if I spit in his face, well, the punishment is going to be a lot more severe. I may be put to death. I may be thrown in prison for the rest of my life. I may be beaten. <coughs> and the said, that's what we do when we sin against God. That's what we do when we sin against any of God's people. Anyone that bears the image of God. We've looked at the king of the universe and we've slapped him. We've spit in his face. So the punishment must fit the crime. God's not looking down, and he's not giving us too severe of a punishment. He's not being too harsh, but he's rightfully and he's just justly punishing sin. So if you come here today and you experience an injustice in your life, for the, the woman that comes here tonight that's been raped, been sexually abused by someone in her, in her life. She's been taken advantage of. God says that I am coming back again and I'm going to justly judge sin. I'm coming back and I'm going to judge the sin of those who oppress. Justice will be done. It may not look like it in this life, but God's promising there is a day coming when I am coming back. I'm going to sit on my judgment from and I'm going to judge the sin of those who oppress them, oppress my people. For those who have been discriminated against, looked down upon because of your, your ethnicity, or your race, or your, your gender, your social status, God 
God says, I'm coming again to judge those who oppress. Hope that he's going to come and show, he's going to come and bring justice to the world. He's coming back to make all things new. And just as God said, I'm coming back again to judge, he's also told that I'm coming back again to provide salvation. He's not just coming back to sit on his judgment, but he's coming back to bring in a new kingdom, to bring in a better kingdom. We'll pick back up in verse 17 and 18. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau a stone. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. God looks at the people of Israel. He says, I'm coming back to judge. I'm coming back to, to punish the sin of the Edomites and the sin of the Babylonians. But then he tells them, I'm also coming back again to bring back your kingdom. To bring you back into the promised land. I'm coming back to restore you. And the people of Israel are taking great hope in this, knowing that God is coming back, that God is going to bring them back in to the promised land, that He's going to restore their kingdom. And the people are being dragged out of Jerusalem. They're watching the temple being destroyed, and so they realize we are being separated from God. We're being ripped apart from our religion. But God's promising, I'm coming back again. I'm going to bring you back. But Israel also realized it wasn't just a promise of a temporary earthly kingdom. They would have looked at their forefathers. They would have looked at Abraham and Sarah, Moses. They would have been reminded that there's a promise of a future kingdom. It's not just a promise of a restored nation of Israel. It's a promise of a future kingdom coming. In Hebrews 11, we see that the author of Hebrew, Hebrews writes, and tells us about these people of faith that Abraham, Sarah, Rahab, Moses, all hoping in this future coming kingdom. Chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, the things promised, but having them seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. The people of Israel would have looked at their forefathers, looked back at Abraham, and realized that Abraham saw that even though God is promising him this promised land, this land of Canaan, Abraham also hoped in something that better to come. Abraham realized that, yeah, God's bringing me into the land of Canaan, but there's something better coming later. This is just a temporary settlement. God is coming back and he's going to bring in his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Moses would have realized that yes, I'm bringing up, bringing up the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And yes, we're going to establish a kingdom here, but it will be temporary. And there's something better coming, a future kingdom that is heaven. It's not like this earthly one, but it's far better. You see, Jesus promises this in, in, throughout his ministry. He tells the people, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming. 
I'm coming to inaugurate this kingdom. It's here. So the people of Israel put hope in this. Knowing that yes, yes, God is bringing us back into the promised land. He's restoring our kingdom. But he's also promising us a better, a future kingdom, a heavenly one. One that even though this kingdom may, may be destroyed, it may perish, it may end at some point, the future kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, it will never end. And it will be far better. There will be no persecution here. So they will look at this and see that even though we're being persecuted here, there's something far better coming. Just for the people of Israel, hoping in this future kingdom, hoping in this restored world, we can also hope in that also. For the woman coming here today being abused by her husband, by her boyfriend, the wife beaten by her husband, you can come here today turning to God and knowing that he's bringing something better. He's bringing a better kingdom. Because this world is not as it's supposed to be. It is broken. But God is coming back to restore it. He's coming back to, to bring in a new kingdom, a better kingdom. There will be no oppression there. So you can turn to God and hope in His coming kingdom. Hoping that even though we may not have restoration of broken relationships here, God is bringing in a better kingdom. He's bringing in a restored kingdom. He's going to restore relationships. For the child coming here today who's been abandoned by your father, that has walked out of them, whether at a young age or later on in life, left the family behind. And you're wondering, God, how can you allow this? Why do you let this happen? You can hope in God's coming kingdom, knowing that He's going to restore broken relationships, and He's going to restore all things.
message to the message of mourning for those who are not in Christ. God promises us that the kingdom of heaven is near, that the day of the Lord is near, that he is coming to judge. And so if you're not in Christ tonight, if you haven't heard this message before, if you haven't turned to Christ, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, I beg that you do that tonight. There is no better time to do it. God is promising to come back and judge us. He's promising to come back and judge sin. He's a holy God. He cannot be in the presence of it. So if you want Christ, you don't have this hope. You don't have the hope of being in the kingdom of God. But God has welcomed you with open arms, saying, if you turn to me, if you repent and believe, I will save you. So I beg you, if this is not you, if you don't know this saving faith, to turn to Christ. Come find a pastor, whether Pastor Grant or Pastor Cameron, Doug, myself, someone else here at the church. We would love to pray with you. We would love to walk you through that. We'd love to walk you in it. And for those of us who are in Christ, it's also a message of motivation. We see right here at the very end, in verse 18, it talks about the house of Jacob shall be a fire, the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau a stubble. God promises his people that I'm going to come back and judge, that I'm going to restore your kingdom, and he promises that I'm going to make you agents of destruction. So, so many times we look at this and we see that this, this is a lot of violence in this. But if we look at Jesus' ministry, we realize that this is not agents of destruction as of as of those who come to violently conquer the nations. Instead, we see Jesus teaches that we conquer for the kingdom of heaven, that we conquer for the kingdom of God by proclaiming the gospel. So for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are in the kingdom of God, we're called to go out and conquer for God. Let's go out, let's proclaim the gospel. There are people that experience this broken world every day. They see the injustice around, and they're wondering, where is justice at? They see our faith, and they wonder at times, how can you believe in that type of God that allows us? We can get in the answer to that. So let's go out and share that with them. Let's show them how we believe in that. Let's show them that God is just, that he is coming again to judge, and that he's going to bring about justice. Let's go and share that with them in the gospel. Let's share with them the hope that we have in Christ. The message that we hear tonight should be one of encouragement, one of hope for us, and one of motivation for us to go out and to share the gospel, to share why we hope in this message. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear my Father, just thank you. Thank you for how you are just God. You are a holy God. We're so grateful that you were going to punish injustice, that you were going to punish oppression. You're going to punish those who sin against the people that sin against you. And we hear, we hear this message, that we hope in this message, and that we go out and proclaim this message to other people. That we share with them that they can have hope too in your gospel. They can have hope in your son. We thank you for this.